Today, um, we're going to talk out of Ephesians chapter 1. So if you've got a Bible, you can flip there. Um, we, we love it when you bring your Bibles, and so please do that whenever you, you uh, join us. If you don't have a Bible and you have a smartphone, there's tons of great Bible apps there. Feel free to do that. We don't think that you're texting or updating Facebook unless we see that you updated your status at 1059. Um, but no, we are so thankful that you're here. Um, pastor Mark, Dr. Mark Walker is our senior pastor, and he, he spoke last week um, out of Ephesians chapter 1, and he talked about the grand story of God. And, uh, and it's an incredible idea to understand that there is a larger story going on in the world than just my personal narrative. Sometimes if I'm not careful, I get stuck thinking that everything is about me. And I'm not alone in that because you think it's about you and we're competing about who it's really about. And what Pastor really brought to us last week is that there is a larger narrative in the world than my story or your story. And it's the story of God. And when we choose to take God up on his choosing us, I mean, he's already chosen us. When we choose to accept that chosenness and be a part of his story, then our story matters for eternity. Our story matters longer than just our little dot in the, in the equation of time. But in all of that, there weaves our own personal narratives. I mean, even if you look at the smallest bit character in your favorite TV show or your favorite movie, they have their own little narrative. They have their own part of the story. And so as we look at the grand story of God, we have to keep our eyes focused on the idea that sometimes when I get overwhelmed, when I think it's about me, it's really, it's really about God. But even within that larger story, there's still my little piece of that story that if I allow God to work in and through me helps to make the larger story possible and to continue to go. But today I want us to look a little more at the personal idea of what God might be doing in and through us and what God really wants to do. But because in this culture, in, in this society, in this day, there is really nothing that's guaranteed. I mean, even if you get something that's guaranteed, there's enough fine print in that that it kind of negates anything that's guaranteed in that. So I just went this week and looked for some fine print stuff, um, just guarantees or things that were, you know, advertised as something, and then you kind of read the smaller part. If you have a DVR, you can just kind of pause it, and you read it, and you're just like, wow, that's crazy. Um, anybody ever seen those magic healing bands? They're not all like the copper bands, but there's some bands, and some of them are copper, some of them are, are rubber, whatever. but they, you wear them, and supposedly it makes you stronger, it makes you healthier, or whatever. There's one actually called the magic healing bracelet, and um, one of the testimonials on their commercial, no kidding, was since I started wearing the magic healing bracelet, I've continued to be healthy. Some of you are going to get that in a minute. I'm going to let that bounce off the back wall and come back. Since I started wearing the magic healing bracelet, I've continued to be healthy. So before I put it on, I was healthy, but man, I am still healthy even wearing this. I don't even know why you would include that. Um, there's some fine print in a commercial. If you ever see a commercial for Trimenic nighttime cold and cough strips for children, uh, if you ever see those, I have four kids. I've, I've seen commercials like this. Um, there's some fine print at the bottom of that commercial that says, do not use for the purpose of making your child sleepy. No kidding. Okay. Some of the parents are like, wow, we got to find something else then. Um, every Christmas Eve, let me just stop here. Every Christmas Eve, my aunt, who's a nurse, would just line all the grandkids up in our family and everybody got a little Benadryl. Don't, like, 
don't tell anybody because she may lose her license. But like it was, it worked because we just wanted to stay up and meet Santa Claus. But anyway, all right. So the next one here is called the sneeze away. Anybody just sneeze a lot? You just feel like you sneeze more than the average person. Okay, you don't want to say it right now. That's okay because nobody wanted to shake your hand anyway a minute ago. All right, so... <laughs> This is a product called Sneeze Away. I'm not really sure actually how they do it. I don't know if it's a mask or an ointment or a rub. I'm not sure what it is, but it's called the Sneeze Away. And here's the actual advertisement. This is the verbiage from their commercial. Sneeze too much? Try Sneeze Away. And decrease your sensitivity to black pepper and cat hair by 20%. And then really fast, they say, may cause some dysfunction, depression, sleeplessness, and random bouts of murderous rage. I think I'll just sneeze. If it's okay with you, I think I will just sneeze. There's another one that's a medicine. I don't know if you've seen this one. This one's actually on TV right now. There's a medicine for cholesterol. If you have high cholesterol, they give you this medicine. And it says, may cause intense urges to gamble. I don't, I mean, like, I think I would like to take that just to see what that feels like. So the best one that I read was from a a, a store, kind of like if you've ever been here to like GameStop or a, a video game store. There's a, there's a store called Game Station. And earlier last year, Game Station, which is headquartered in England, um, they decided just to see if anybody actually read the fine print. So on April Fool's Day, they updated their user agreement online. If you purchase something online, you know, you get like the 17,000 pages and you just, you don't even scroll through it. You just click, yes, I've read this. All right. So they decided that everyone did that without reading it. And so I just want to read this to you. It says, this is what their fine print actually said. By placing an order via this website on the first day of the fourth month of the year of 2010, you agree to grant us a non-transferable option to claim for now and forevermore your immortal soul. Should we wish to exercise this option, you agree to surrender your immortal soul and any claim you have on it within five working days of receiving written notification from GameStation.com.uk or, or one of its duly authorized minions. GameStation form, uh, their, their form also points out that we reserve the right to serve such notice in six-foot-high letters of fire. However, we can accept no liability for any loss or damage caused by such an act. If you, do, if you A, do not believe you have an immortal soul, B, have already given it to another party, or C, do not wish to grant us such a license, please click the link below to nullify this subclause and proceed with your transaction. Now, if a thousand people bought something on their website that day, how many of you think that 50% read it and clicked nullify this transaction? Okay, you would be right that not 50% did. Um, 12% of the people that bought stuff online actually clicked that. 88% gave their immortal soul to GameStation. But here's what GameStation did. They said if you read this, like if you clicked nullify this agreement, you got a $5 gift voucher to go buy something else just because they wanted to prove that no one did it. And here's what they sent out as a, as a press release. With all shoppers tested, we, we found that 88% of people do not read the terms and conditions of a website. And then they said that they would send an email notifying everybody that they were nullifying the claim on their soul, which I thought was great. So nobody reads fine print. But what you find in the fine print is that you find that that's really where your guarantee is kind of framed. You know, I'll guarantee that, that you can have this or you're going to get this. But then the fine print really gives you your guarantee. Because I may say, hey, everybody that showed up today is going to get $100 if your name's Jeremy Isaacs and you are as old as me. I mean, like, I'm going to give you the framework for how you can actually cash in on that fine print, on that guarantee. But what we find in Scripture in Ephesians chapter 1 is we find a guarantee from God. 
And there's a ton of these throughout Scripture. We find the promises, the blessings of God. We find that he tells us that anytime he guarantees something, he promises something, he blesses something, he keeps his word. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 13, this is what we have. It says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of of his glory. Now that's the English standard version. If you have something different, yours may look a little different, sound a little different, have some different words. I found another translation which I read a lot, New Living Translation or NLT, and I like some of the words that it utilizes to uh, to kind of put into this scripture, but this is what it says in the New Living Translation. It says, "And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago." The Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us the inheritance He promised and that He has purchased us to be His own people. He did this so that we would praise and glorify Him. I like the words that are kind of interplayed there in the New Living Translation that maybe are not as apparent in the English Standard Version, but it says the exact same thing. What it tells to us is that there's a group of people who have heard the good news, and the good news is that God saves And then when you believe in that good news, God identifies you by giving you the Holy Spirit as his own. And this Holy Spirit that he gives to you was promised a long time ago. And now that you have the Holy Spirit, he's guaranteeing you all the things that he promised to you before and to say that you are his own people now. But he did this so that all of us could glorify him. That's the Jeremy translation of it. I don't know if you have that in your Bible, but that's pretty much what it says right there. And I believe out of this passage of Scripture, there's like three or four things that when we leave today, you need to know. I mean, there's, a, there's, some, there's some rich stuff here, rich theological language. But if you're going to leave in a little while, I think there's a couple things that you need to know. And the first one is found right in the very beginning of this passage. It says, and now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. Now, last week, Pastor hit on this idea that uh, in a previous verse, it said we. And now in this verse, it says you. All right. And so the new living helps us understand who the you here is. But it says now you Gentiles. And what we have to understand is that up until uh, the book of Acts, until really about not halfway, but a third of the way through the book of Acts, really all of the church and all of Christianity was kind of just held by the Jewish people. They were God's people in the Old Testament. They were the children of Israel, the Hebrew people. And up until the time of Christ, he came. He was a Jew. He was, he was our Savior because he went to the cross. He died on the cross. Then he ascended back to the Father. And the book of Acts is the establishment of the church. But up until Peter goes to Cornelius' house, I believe it's in Acts chapter 10, up until that point, even as the church is spreading, it's spreading among the Jews. And so as Paul is writing here to the church at Ephesus, there is still this tension in the early church about the idea that now the gospel is open to more than just Jewish people. And so now what we have here is he's writing very beginning of his letter still is that you Gentiles have also heard the truth. And the point that I think is very key for all of us to understand, whether you're Jew or Gentile or anything in between, is that the gospel is is for you. When when Peter goes to Cornelius' house, that's the first like physical example of it, but Christ coming to earth and really kind of uh, 
breaking the ice, breaking the tension, and talking about go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's saying go into all the world, not just segments of the world, not just where certain people live. The word go into all the world, uh, go into all the nations, that word there is, is ethnos. It's a, it means people groups. It's the idea that because of the message of Christ, we can go to every people group in the world now and take the message that God saves people. So no matter what you've done, no matter where you come from, no matter what your personal narrative is, the gospel is for you. And it doesn't matter if you came in today and you say, well, yeah, I'm, I'm saved. I'm a Christian. I was baptized as a kid. I went to this church or I was a part of this. I was a member over here. I was... None of that matters because the central word here is gospel. The gospel message, the message of Jesus Christ coming to earth, living on earth, dying on a cross, being resurrected, going back to the Father is the gospel. And that message is for every single person on the face of of the earth. And that is a huge message. That's a huge truth for us today. That's a big deal for us to really come to grips with because if you understand that it's for you, then you're going to find that the enemy, the, the devil, Satan, your own personal inner demons you're trying to fight sometimes as you work through it, you're going to find that the, one of the battles that you face is, yeah, but you're not good enough. You don't measure up. You don't, you don't do the right things. You don't go the right places. You're not, about, you know, you're not of the right lineage. You're not of this. You're not of whatever your struggle is. Just let me tell you today, the gospel is for everybody. It's for you. Second thing I want us to look at out of this same passage is just a continuation here. It was, we read a few minutes ago, it said, you know, you heard the truth, the good news, that God saves you. And then the very next thing says, and when you believed in Christ... When you believed in Christ. Now, remember that we heard in the previous verse that you heard the truth. And then the next sentence says that you believed in Christ. And here's the thing that I think we have to come away with today. And understanding that hearing does not equal believing. And I'm really proud of myself for finding that symbol on Microsoft Word. Because it was not easy to find. <clears throat> I was, I was going to have to type out not equal to. And I didn't like that. Hearing is not equal to believing. Hearing is not equal to believing. You can hear a lot of things. Stephen Leonard's sitting down right here, and he, he's helped me all morning. And, and Stephen could tell me, or someone could tell me about Stephen. Hey, Stephen is like the strongest man ever to live. I, I don't believe that. He's a nice guy. Uh, he's, I think he's available. If he's not, he's going to punch me later. But I mean, you know, he's a nice guy. But you know how I'd believe that? If he just like picked every, picked, I don't know, something heavy. I mean, um, I can't come up with a good example of something. Me. You picked me up and threw me across the... I have no idea. But I believe it because there's something that happens that's different than me just hearing it. Now, I could say that and it'd be easy to understand. But one of the best ways for us to do that is to kind of go back and find the original language of the text that we have here in Ephesians 1. And so I want us to look, and I am not smart. I didn't tell him I was going to do this. Where's Justin? Justin Walker. Where's Justin? Over here. Justin, run up here real fast. Run. It's interactive today. Justin's coming. He's using this mic, Daryl. Justin is our Bible scholar, Greek and Hebrew. He's like really mad that I just brought him up here. I want you to stand here. Okay. Here we, okay. Is it on? Are we good? Can we get it on? Hi. There we go. All right. In just a minute, there's going to be a Greek word on there. Can you pronounce it for I can. us? Yes. Okay. So this is the word that's used here for heard. Like you heard the good news. What is that word? Akuo. Akuo. Okay. Did you use that because I put the spelling, phonetic no. spelling? There? 
Okay, because I put that in case you wouldn't come up here and I could go, it, it's a kuo. And I could say that and you would know. So the Greek word here is a kuo, and that's the ability to hear. It's very specifically the ability to hear. All right? So I have ears that work and I can hear. And so the first part of this passage says that I heard the good news. At some point in my life, I heard the good news. I akuoed it. I have the ability to hear that there is good news. There's a difference, though, in believing. What's the next word? Throw it up here. Pistuo. I was going to say that. I was going to say pistuo. All right, so this is the word for believe. And I'm done. Thank you, Justin. All right, so this is the word for believe. And it doesn't just mean to have the ability to believe. It doesn't just mean like you had the ability to hear and now you have the ability. You have the, the capacity to believe. What it means is to believe to the extent of complete trust and reliance. To believe to the, to the extent of complete trust and reliance. There is a difference in hearing and believing. There's a difference. You know why this is important? Because we live in the Bible Belt. Most of the people have heard. Most people that we come in contact with have heard the good news. And so, like, we have to understand that when we interact with people, when we get into spiritual conversations, as a part of our vision, we call that sharing the story. There's a Jesus story that lives inside of me, this narrative, this thing that we've been talking about. When I share my Jesus story, I have to understand that they may have never heard it, but more than likely, they've heard the good news. And I don't have to sell them on believing it. It's not my job. They're convicted and drawn in by the Holy Spirit, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But I have to understand that I've got to find out the context by which they've already heard it. I've got to figure that out. But hearing does not equal believing. And some of you this morning have come in here and you have heard the good news a bunch. And you even believe in what you've heard. You believe that it's, you know, it's, it's true. But the word here is not like I believe that it could be true. I believe that somebody knows that truth. I believe that somebody could be affected by that truth. The word here is that I put my complete trust and reliance in what I've heard. That's a big deal. That's a big deal because I think for some of us here in this culture, in the South, in Canton, In Holly Springs, in Woodstock, we have heard the gospel. But I wonder how many of us have put our complete trust and reliance, our belief in the gospel. You believe in Christ. Now, when you do that, when you take that step to move from hearing to believing, there's this really cool thing that happens. If you go back to our original text, which this is not on the slide, you'll have to jump back, Preston. It says that when you believe, he identified you as his own. Remember what we talked about about three or four weeks ago. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Before we'd ever heard it. Before we had ever believed it, Christ died for us. Before we ever did anything to earn it. And the reason that makes a big deal for us The reason that's so hard for us to understand is because we live in a culture, we live in a world that for better or for worse, our love relationships, most of our relationships in general are very conditional. They're they're relationships that are based on the condition that if you meet the condition, if you provide the condition that our relationship was based on, I'll continue to love you. I'll continue to stay in relationship with you. But if you ever break that condition, you ever quit serving that condition, meeting that need, doing that thing, then our relationship is over. I feel differently about you. But you have to understand that God 
entered into his cho- choosing of you before you ever could do anything to, to receive it. While you were yet sinners. While I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. But here's this cool thing that happens after that. When I believe, when I've heard the good news, and then I believe in Christ, I believe in the good news, then he identifies me as his own by giving me the Holy Spirit. When you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. You have to understand that the Holy Spirit didn't just show up in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit existed, was a part of the entire Bible, is a part of it. When you go and read, the Holy Spirit is evident throughout the Old Testament, the New Testament. It's something we, we may be talking about later this spring in one of our series. We may look at the Holy Spirit and His existence throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament just to kind of trace that part of the story. But we have to understand that the Holy Spirit was promised to us long ago. Now, one of the really cool things, I believe it's in John chapter 16, that just blows my ever-living mind, is when Jesus tells the disciples, listen, I'm going to go away, and when I go, the Comforter's going to come, the Holy Spirit's going to come, and it is better for you that I leave so that the Holy Spirit come. Now, I can't wrap my mind around that. Because there's so much of my faith that is built on the idea that like Jesus and knowing Jesus and understanding Jesus. And if Jesus could just stand right in front of me, all my problems, I wouldn't have any trouble believing anymore if he were there. Like if I could be like Thomas and I could touch the, the nail pierced hands and if I could touch the side, and if I could, if I could hear him teach, I don't know how the disciples missed it. I mean, I feel like if I was sitting there watching the miracle, seeing the cool, like I would believe, I would know I would never run away from him. I would never leave him. But Jesus said, listen. It's better for you that I get out of here and that the Holy Spirit come and be with you. And if you read the rest of that passage, it's really talking about the things that are to come. And Jesus understood that he had to leave so that the Holy Spirit could come so that you and I could could be a part of the church age and the things that were taking place so that he could come back. Let's continue reading here. Uh, The Holy Spirit, who he promised long ago, the Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. So here's the idea. The Holy Spirit, we talked about the grand story last year, last week, last year. Let's go ahead and talk about it last year too. Um, talked about it last week. The Holy Spirit was promised long ago. The Holy Spirit existed in the narrative, the story of God before you and I ever showed up. But the Holy Spirit, when, when the Holy Spirit is given to us after we believe in Christ, the Holy Spirit is given to us. And that function, ser- it serves two functions. One, it identifies us now, in the here and now, which Pastor talked about, as God's chosen people. We are identified as His people in that moment because we have the Holy Spirit. God is guaranteeing that transaction. That just happened. He's guaranteeing that by giving us Himself. The Holy Spirit is a part of the Trinity, the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit. We don't believe that that's three different entities. We believe that it's one God manifest in three persons. We believe that is the Trinity. And so the the Holy Spirit is God living in us, given to us by God to guarantee that not only has he chosen us, now we have chosen him in return. And so there is a here and now function of the Holy Spirit when he's given to us. But he has given to us to guarantee what is to come. And what's to come? We understand that what's to come is that this world that we live in is not eternal. 
it will pass away. We understand that we will be reunited, reconciled to God the Father, that the sin and brokenness of the world, the pain, the hurt, the death that we all experience every day is a part of the broken system of this world. But that one day, He's coming back. We will be reunited with Him. The dead in Christ will rise up and be taken away. We understand that there's things to happen in this world. Pastor Mark is doing incredible teaching on March the 2nd on the book of Revelation. Now, Buckle your seatbelts. It's a six-hour Bible study that starts at 6 o'clock at night. It goes from 6 to midnight. But let me just tell you, I just experienced it this past fall. It's one of the most incredible things I've ever been a part of. And he's been studying for, I don't know, eight months. Revelation, March the 2nd. And some of what I'm talking about shows up in the book of Revelation. It's about the things that are to come. But really, the ultimate thing that has been promised is that this this world that, that involves death and dying and hurt and pain and sin and brokenness will no longer exist, and we'll be reunited forever with our Father. And you know how we know that is true? Because when we believe in Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit as the guarantee for our inheritance, which is to come. So here's the point, here's the idea, here's the thing I want you to take home from this, that God's got your future. If you have any questions, just ask the Holy Spirit. God's got your future. Sometimes we worry about our future. We worry about what's going to happen. We worry, and most of that is conditionally based on what we see with our eyes, what's going on in our everyday lives. But God's got your future. And he gave to us the Holy Spirit to guarantee that future. Now, when I first read this passage, when I read verses 13 and 14, it was a month or two, a couple months ago, when, when we kind of landed on this was the passage we were opening the year with, and, and this was the Sunday that I was going to be speaking. I read this verse. You can ask my wife, Corey, who's sitting right down here. I read this verse, and I, I, I became worried about this passage. I really struggled. I wrestled with, up until even this week, with, with what, what this passage really meant, what it was saying. And one of the things that, that worried me, that bothered me, that I could never really come to grips with, was the word that we read in verse, uh, thir- the end of verse 13. It says, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. I really wrestled with the word sealed there. If I'm just being honest. I, I struggled with what that word meant, what the implications were about God in that word, what the implications were about me in that word. You were sealed. Because I kind of thought, okay, you know, I just shipped something that I sold on Amazon a couple weeks ago. And so I put it in the box and I sealed the box up and I closed it up and closed it off. But the word sealed here is not like, hey, we're putting tape on a box and shipping it away. There's a difference here. And there, I don't have the Greek word for you. I don't have it. I just want to show you a picture of what the seal looks like. I'm going to walk over here. Hopefully this is not going to feed back. I, just, I, I got this online. This is an envelope. And this is a wax seal. Okay, And there's a, there's a crown here because this, this is called a, a wax die. This this piece here, this instrument, this flat part, this is the, the flat part kind of showing up so you can see it. This makes this imprint on the wax that you take. So you buy this set right here. I believe it's $9.95 if you're interested. And this is a candle, okay? And this is wax, and you burn the candle, very scientific here. And the wax that is, that is made here, you, you turn it over, and you drip it on the envelope. And then you take this instrument with this facing down, and you put it into the wax. And what it does is it, it not, it, it's already been sealed. The envelope's already been sealed. What the wax does, what the seal does in that moment, 
is it says to whoever receives the letter that they know that that's my inscription. They say, I was the last person to touch this. I was the last person to make sure that this, that what, what I'm sending to you, when you receive this in this envelope, you know I was the one that put it in there. I was the one that held it right there. And I, I made sure that when it closed, if you get this and the seal is broken, you know that someone else has tampered with this. You know that something else has happened to take away what I just guaranteed to you. This is the exact meaning of this word seal. It's not, it's not a closing up. It's a marking. Seal means to mark. And so the idea being here that when God gives us the Holy Spirit, when we believe in Christ, that we are marked by that Holy Spirit. To say, listen, I'm guaranteeing what's going on inside. They've heard the good news. Come on, Justin. They've heard the good news. Not only have they heard the good news, they have believed in the gospel. They've believed in Christ. And when they believe in me, I am marking them by giving them my Holy Spirit. It's John 3.16. For God so loved the world that whoever believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. But remember, we're not just talking about it. And I've had this conversation with people. We're not just talking about you say, hey, I believe there is a God. I believe that Jesus came to earth. I believe he was a literal guy. You know what that means? That means you've heard it. Believing is completely trusting in that message. Putting your reliance in that message. Living as if that is the foundational piece of who you are. And when you believe in it, when you rely on it, when you completely trust in it, you're marked. You're sealed. You're sealed by the Holy Spirit so that in the here and now, you know and others know that you are His. And you're sealed so that you know that no matter what goes on in this life, no matter the things that you face, no matter the struggles that you have, the, the worries on your job, the worries about your finances, the worries about your family, no matter what you're facing, you are sealed, you are marked to understand that this is not all there is. That we will receive the inheritance that is to come. And God guarantees that. He guarantees that. He says, listen, there's no fine print here. There's no fine print in all this. If you hear it and you believe it, you're mine. Hear it and you believe it. You're mine. There's a part of the process after that where we, we, we dive in. Those that believe we want to love God in the way that we live. We want to honor God by the way that we live. We want to be with him forever. We want people to know that we are his. But ultimately, it's about hearing and believing. That begins the discipleship, spiritual growth process of conforming to who he has created us to be. And you have to understand, I, I know where I'm standing. I'm standing in Canton, Georgia, in the south, in the Bible Belt. The fourth week, we as a campus of an existing church are open here. There's two challenges today. There's two 
two thoughts for me that I just never could get away from. I, I wrestled with where to even finish today, where to end, where to go, because I just couldn't figure out how to kind of bring this all down. And I just think there's still two, two approaches. We as a church, corporately, must exist for people that have heard but do not believe. We exist here in a community where we know that many, many people have heard the message but do not believe, do not completely trust and rely on that message by the way that they live. So I'm just telling you, as as the campus pastor here under the leadership of our church, as it relates to everything that we can affect here, we must exist for those outside of this building who have heard but do not believe. If they've never heard, we want them to hear it. We want them to hear it here through conversations with you. But ultimately, it's about them believing, completely trusting, relying on him and the gospel. But there is also a personal aspect to this. And it's the idea that some of us in this room, maybe we've heard. If you hadn't heard before today, now you've heard. That the gospel is Jesus Christ, the son of God coming to earth to live To die on a cross for our sins and to be resurrected. To go back to the Father. To make intercession for us. To to pray and to, to plead on our behalf. So that you and I can be saved when we believe in Him. My question is, do you believe? Do you believe to completely trust and rely on that message, the gospel message... With the way that you live, do you put your hope and your trust in that? Do you believe? And I could pray now and ask you to raise your hands now, but I want to give a moment here. I'll ask the band to come. They're going to sing a song, and I'm going to come back up and pray. And let me just tell you where we're headed. Okay? In a moment, if you do not believe, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that. You can do it now. I'm going to give you the opportunity to kind of go public with that. To let us know so that we can join with you in prayer. But as they sing this song, as the next few moments take place, this is the moment that you just say to God, God, I've heard it and I've never really put it into my life. I've never really connected it to the way that I live. I've never really figured out how to apply it. And so right now in this moment, I don't have it figured all out. I don't know all the details. I'm not sure how every piece of this works, but I just want you to know that I believe. Not I've heard a message and I believe that that's true. I believe that this is the way that I live, that I want to live. I believe I receive this gospel message. You can do that now. We're going to do it together in just a moment. Would you just bow your head, close your eyes for just a moment? Nobody's looking around. Nobody's focused on you, worried about you. It's just you and God in this moment. And here's my question. I'm not here today to make you some dirty, rotten sinner. It's not about me convicting you to one thing or another. This is just me laying out the idea that there is a difference between hearing and believing. So my question today is, Do you need to believe? Do you need to believe? If that's you this morning, if maybe you came in, you'd heard the message, you'd heard the gospel, you you know the truth, 
But maybe you just need to believe. You need to put your complete trust and reliance in the gospel, in Christ today. Would you just lift your hand? Several hands. You can put them back down as soon as you lift it up. Put it right back down. God, we love you. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the grand story that existed before we were here and will continue long after should you not return. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that he came to earth, that you gave him to this earth, to us, because you loved us. And so God, today I pray for every one of us that raised our hand. We've heard the message, but today we are committing to believe in Jesus Christ. Put our complete trust and hope. And God, those that are doing that today for the first time, or maybe for the first time in a long time, God, we thank you that you give to us your Holy Spirit. We thank you that in this moment we now have you living in us, that we are marked with your presence for now and as a guarantee that no matter what we face in this life, this is not all there is. There comes a day when we are reconciled to you, made complete and whole. The death and pain and hurt and worry and fear and doubt will no longer exist. And we can know that that's true because we carry with us now. We are marked by your Holy Spirit. And I thank you for that. And God, now I pray corporately for us as a church at both of our campuses, both Canton and Marietta, And that, God, we would live our lives in such a way to demonstrate your love to those who have never heard the gospel and those who have heard but do not yet believe. God, through spiritual conversations, through sharing our Jesus story, through inviting them, bringing them with us to these moments where they can hear the gospel here in this place or in our campus in Marietta and respond to the gospel in that way, I pray, God, that you would help us to be a part of your mission in the world. It's why we believe you've called us to this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.